pray. Father, we are so grateful for what this day means for us and who you are and the fact that we are here today in your presence and in your house. Lord, we, we just give you thanks for this season. We give you thanks for Jesus, our Emmanuel. And Lord, we, uh, we pray now as we spend a little time in your word this morning that you would speak to our hearts and draw us near to your side and remind us of your presence here in this place this morning. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus, your son. Amen. We can have a seat. We are so thrilled that you're here today, and uh, we hope that you are going to have a very, very Merry Christmas. Uh, I've got uh, just a couple of things. Our servers are going to collect our offering right now, and as they're doing that, I want to just remind you uh, of, a, of a few things. One is today at 4 o'clock, we're going to be having a special candlelight service, so we'd love to invite you to come back and join us. It's going to be really special, and you won't want to miss that. That's at 4 o'clock. Now, I know uh, we, uh, we had a typo that said it was at 4.30. It's not at 4.30. If you show up at 4.30, uh, we'll give you a high five on the way out. But uh, 4 o'clock will be our service today, and we hope that you'll join us for that. Hey, we gotta, we got to stop and just give some thanks. I know it's been a busy season and a lot of great stuff happening and I want to just say a big thank you to all of the volunteers and people who have served and have sacrificed uh, we're just so thankful uh, to those who, of you who gave for our children and uh, children in our community for the Christmas bags uh, just got a few pictures of those those were delivered this past week I know a lot of kids are going to be blessed this season because of that also want to give a big thanks to uh, Rodney James and Ford United Auto Workers for their uh, partnership with uh, food boxes, we were able to, to provide 100 food boxes, so we're just excited to be able to, to do that. And also to Alex Cundiff and the Louisville Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 32, the cops and kids. Uh, we just love that partnership as well and being able to serve there to our missions team and Jamie Schnell, all the work that those guys did, just tireless uh, to serve and to help. We were able to serve over 600 families this season. So I thought that was pretty incredible. We want to give the Lord thanks for that. So we're just grateful for that. Now one thing, and I thought this was kind of cool to share too, we, we never want to take for granted that we know and recognize that there are people who, uh, who need to be and want to be part of a church family, but because of health issues or whatever, they just don't have the ability to be here physically. And uh, so we, we're, we're fortunate and blessed that we have our you know, live stream every week. Right now we've got people who are operating cameras and running switchers and doing all that stuff behind the scenes that you guys never would know about, but it's a big job. And uh, we had a couple of special ladies who are homebound but uh, have just been watching every single week, and they connect here and have connected with some of our volunteers. And this past week, uh, well, we just want them to know that we consider you part of our family, even if you can't be here. And uh, we, we uh, had a couple of special ladies who wanted to just officially join the church. And so I wanted to give it up for these two. Uh, Trisha Rager, I got a picture of Trisha up there. Give it up for that special lady. And also for Debbie Petrie. We'll give it up for Debbie also. That's just really thankful for them and, and uh, glad that they're, they're part of our church. 
Now, I love Christmas. Uh, I was thinking about Christmas Eve. I don't think, I, I don't believe I've ever missed a Christmas Eve service in my life. I think from the time I was born, my parents had me there. Uh, and then uh, as a kid, we went every Christmas Eve, every candlelight. You know, I've done it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. Uh, and as an adult, you know, now it's, you know, part of my, my career and what I do. And, and you might think, well, are you getting tired of it now? You know, you, that's a lot if you, if you had too much of it. And I would say not at all. I really look forward to, to this day and, I, and all the things that we do and remember. And, and I hope that for you, that this, this year you're really able to, to go deeper beyond the normal cultural stuff, beyond the nostalgic stuff, and really move into what this, this season means to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Because it's a really big deal that 2,000 years ago that the Son of God stepped into our world. He was born as an infant in the tiny little town of Bethlehem. And whether you love Jesus or you try to ignore him or you try to deny him, you have to admit it's a big deal. It's changed history. It's changed history for all human beings. And it's all because of this, this biggest, the biggest moment in history. And Matthew 1 records it and says, She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's a huge statement. I, I don't know. I think we, we hear it so often. Maybe we forget the power that's there. The, to know that we have a God who is with us. He's not far away. He's not sort of watching to see how things play out in your life. But he's with you. Through thick and thin, no matter what you're going through, and as we've been navigating this uh, this Christmas season, I, I think about I think for some of us we, we want to know what does the birth of Jesus have to do with me personally? I know it as a historic fact. I know it that it's changed culture, but what does it what does it have to do for me? And 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 as we've been kind of going through this, I've been taking some themes from my favorite Christmas movie which is a Christmas story. If you've been here, you've heard me talking about that. I love that movie, and, and, I, and I, I just see these themes in there. By the way, this is what Jesus did very often when he taught. He told stories. They were parables that uh, helped people understand uh, you know, a difficult concept, but helping us to, to really understand what he's saying. And as we look through this movie a little bit, you know, Ralphie, he's hoping for that Red Rider BB gun. He asks everybody in his life to get it for him. And, uh, and everybody keeps telling him the same thing. You know, you can't have that. You're going to shoot your eye out. That's no good for you. He asks everybody except for his dad. And his dad is the one who gives it to him. He didn't have a right view of his father. That's one of the things. As I watched that movie as an adult and as a father, I remember watching it as a kid and always thinking that the dad was really mean. You know, it just seemed like the dad was just a grumpy old man. And now as I watch it as a father, I, I realize, no, the dad really loved the family. The son just didn't have a right view of who he was. And last week, we talked about peace. You know, that poor kid, Ralphie, he's, he just can't get any peace in his life. He's being bullied. He's, he's being disappointed. He's getting his mouth washed out with soap for saying fudge. Only he didn't say fudge. You know, I mean, it's just poor kid. He just needed peace. And aren't we all looking for that? We're looking for some peace in our life. But we, we, we looked at that together and realized that peace is not the absence of problems. It's the presence of God. There's one more thing that I want us to look at. And if you've seen the movie, then you know this already. That at the end, they're all looking forward to 
the big turkey dinner. Mom's been cooking on it all day long. She keeps basting it, and, and uh, the dad keeps trying to sneak in there and take little, you know, take little bites out of it. She's telling him, quit, you're going to get worms or whatever. And they're looking forward to this all day long. And right before uh, everything's finished, the neighbor's dogs burst in and and tear it to shreds and destroy the kitchen, you know. And everybody's walking in there. The mom's crying and the boys are stunned. And the dad just looks like he's about to have a coronary, you know. It's like, what do we do now? You remember that scene? And then he's, you wonder, what's he going to say next? And he says, that's it. Grab your coats. We're going out to eat. And do you remember where they went to eat? They went to the Chinese restaurant. This is the only place open on Christmas Day. And, and uh, in the movie, it says, that's when we were introduced for the first time to Chinese turkey, which was duck. Well, I just so happened to have one here. <laughs> and I was thinking about this. You know, the problem with this, with this duck is it's, it's smiling at me. <laughs> there. <laughs> Much better. I'll cover that up so it doesn't disturb you the rest of this. Unless somebody wants a head, you know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. But that, that, that movie, the way, the way that it ends, for me, what it really reminds me of is that, that for Christmas, and we think about all that this means, what really matters is not what's happening around you, it's who's with you. And the fact that we have Emmanuel, that God is with us, that changes everything. We have trouble seeing the good in our life because we're so dialed in on all the problems and all the bad stuff. Everything that's, you know, maybe we're in pain or there's some uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, in 2024. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen with our, with our kids. or We don't know what's going to happen with our health. Or we don't know what's going to happen with, with whatever. And it feels bad and wrong or out of control. And we forget who's with us. We're not going at it alone. You've got the creator of the heavens and earth, the author and finisher of life. He's with you every moment. He's walking beside you. And not only that, but there's so many people in your life who care for you. And again, I think what we do is we, we flip that switch and we, we, we go, we kind of self-implode into this. You know, nobody cares about me, nobody sees me, nobody wants to know me, and it's not true. You know, just look around you right now, you've got a, a church family, people who we're here together to encourage one another. That's one of the reasons we get together here every week, is to encourage each other, to lift each other up. You've got the Holy Spirit of God that's living inside you, a companion. He's never going to leave you. When, when you. when you feel lost, He's there. When you... When you feel like you need a guide, he's guiding you. When, you. when you are hurting, he's your comforter. When you're sick, he's your healer. When you're, when you're weak, he's your strength. When you're dead and lost in sins, he's your savior. In fact, the name Jesus. When the angel told Joseph, said, you're going to give him the name Jesus. The name Jesus literally means one who saves. He's going to save his people from their sins. He we forget that he does for us the one thing that we can't do for ourselves. I can't get myself to God. I can't do it. He gets me, but Jesus gets me to God. He, Jesus comes to the earth and he lives a perfect life, what only he can do. He dies on a cross. He dies for me. He dies for you. He doesn't die for himself. 
It's a gift. It's to rescue us. And the most important and amazing thing about all this is not that Jesus saves us, but that he's offered us the gift of himself. His life applied to my life. His life applied to your life. That's the greatest gift you're ever going to receive. That's the greatest gift of an eternal relationship with Jesus. It gives you peace. I love the scripture in Luke 1, verse 78. It speaks right to us today. It says that because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is just about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. I read that verse and I I just think, I can't help but think of so many of us that we feel like we're just sitting and waiting in in darkness. I'm in the shadow of death. I just don't know what's next. I don't know what to do. I feel like my life is just stuck in this rut. This is a message that we need to embrace today. Jesus wants to give you life when you feel like your life is off track. He wants to be your guide. And this isn't complicated stuff. We make it complicated, but it, it couldn't be more simple. And, and this is, this is the, the path of peace. It's what we're all searching for. I had a moment like this just a couple of weeks ago. I was here on a Sunday morning, and uh, we, we stayed around a little longer than we expected, and we kind of ran into lunchtime, my family and I, and we had uh, some, of the, some of the kids' friends were with us that day. And so we said, well, what, we're all getting hungry. What are we going to eat for lunch? And so we, uh, we, it's kind of a throwback. I hadn't been there in a long time. We went to Shoney's off of Fern Valley. We hadn't been there in, in forever. I said, well, that's a buffet. So, you know, so we went there to Shoney's, and we're eating, and the kids are you know, doing their thing. And right about the time uh, we, were, we were almost finished eating, this man walks up to our table. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't say a word. Doesn't even look. We didn't even make eye contact. He walks up to the table, and he lays a piece of paper right next to me. And then he just walked right out the door and left. And uh, so I opened it up. And said, what, you know, this is kind of a, a strange thing. But his, his notice is, I don't want to bother you, but you look like you're a Christian man. And if it isn't too much trouble, I'd like to ask you to pray for me because my life just feels stuck. And I don't know, it's, it's a mess. I don't know what to do, and I just feel so lost. He said, if you wouldn't mind, would you please ask God to give me purpose and to help me find peace. This guy didn't ask me for money. He didn't have any motive. He just slid me, I assume because we, you know, we had the kids and we're all a little bit dressed up. He thought, well, maybe they just came from church. And he's just asking me, would you pray for me? Because my life just feels like I'm lost. And so I've been praying for him. I don't know who he is, but I do know one thing. If, if you're... If you're a stranger leaving a note not asking for anything but prayer, uh, how many other people are going through life like that right now? They feel like they don't have anybody to turn to. And they feel like God's a million miles away, and I, I just feel like I'm not hearing from him. I don't know what to do. Everything feels dark. There's problems everywhere. I love what Max Lucado says. He says, we have to see the mess that we're in before we can appreciate the God that we have. So we're in a mess. No doubt about that. That's the world that Jesus stepped into. It's a broken and sinful place. 
And that's how he steps into our lives. We get that all confused. We think that he steps in and says, okay, I'll do some things for you. But first, you've got to work on yourself. You've got to clean things up. And, and then when you get some things under control and you're you know, doing a little better than you've been doing, then I'll come into your life and I'll start making a difference. That's not true. It, it is really simple. We just cannot make it any more complicated than this. Jesus isn't asking you to fix yourself. He's asking you to open the door and let him in. So I'm going to come in and let me be the Lord of your life. Because when that happens, that's when things begin to change. It's not that I have a religion where I believe in Jesus. It's that I have a relationship with him. He walks with me daily, every day. He's, he's a friend that's closer than a brother for me. I think we're afraid to come to God because we're afraid that he's going to hit us with a list of all the things that we've got to change about ourselves. And some of it, if we're, if we're being really true, truly honest, we live in this illusion where we think that life's going to continue on forever and there's a few things that we don't want to let go of right now and so we think you know give me give me five more years of this of doing what I want to do and then I'll get serious it's a really foolish way to live by the way we don't know what tomorrow holds we have no guarantees about anything and we're missing out on the best life that God wants to give to us but really to to just make it as simple there's not a bunch of hoops to jump through because that's what religious people do we put up roadblocks but jesus says just come to me i came to you now you come to me i I love how you see this in the bible the biggest moments in history the biggest moments in the history of the world they're just recorded so simply luke 2 verse 6 says while they were there the time came that's it while, we, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And so she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. The greatest moment in history, and that's, that's it, the time came for the baby to be born. Not complicated, not hard to understand, but just the right time. Unto us a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And maybe for you, today is the right time for you to ask Jesus to, to step into your life, to allow him to open the door. And, and maybe it's time to ask him to step into the struggles that you're facing because Jesus didn't come only to save you, but he came to help you. He came to, to guide you. On a path of peace. We're going to do something in in just a moment that has a big significance for us. We're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a a couple of minutes. And this is a big deal. And let let me unpack that. Let me unpack why. Because for many of us, maybe you grew up similar to the way I grew up, where you knew about God. We were there. I told you I've never missed a Christmas Eve service. I knew about God. I'd heard the stories over and over. I'd held my candle. I did all those things. And, and maybe even believed in him. But you, you, if you were anything like I was, you didn't know him personally. And you might hear a preacher talk about that, but you don't understand what that even means. How can I have a personal walk with God? By the time when Jesus came, 
he, he was teaching. But in that environment, in that culture, there was a, a place, a physical structure in the temple. And everybody was familiar with, with the temple. You know, that's where you would go to offer your sacrifices. I mean, that's the place where Jesus was taken, you know, when he was, uh, after he was born, when they went to have him circumcised, when they, uh, you know, the place where he got left, if you, know, if you remember that uh, story where he was left in the temple and they, they forgot about him and all the chaos and had to come back and get him and Jesus was teaching, uh, you know, lo- lots of different things. But everybody knew about the temple and there was a place in there, there was a huge curtain that separated everyone from this place. It was known as the most holy place. And behind this big curtain, there would have been an altar. And, and you and I could never go there. We would never be able to see it with our eyes. You would, never, you would never be invited in there, nor would I. But in that place, that was where the presence of God was. So that's, that's where he sat. And one time a year, a high priest would go in there. It would make a sacrifice to atone for the sins of all the people. And that was it. No one else was ever allowed to go back there. No one had direct access to God. It was very obvious that God's over there and we're over here and you can't get to him. But when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things that's recorded for us, we know that happened, says that there was a terrible earthquake and it says that the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. This is a really thick, it's not just like some little small piece of material. This was a really, really big thing. And it was split all the way down. The hands of God ripped that curtain in half. Why? And you might miss it. I mean, if you read about the the crucifixion and what happened, you might just kind of overlook that part. Why would it be that the curtain in the temple was torn in half? That was an invitation from God to you and me. To come and see. He was inviting us to know him. He says, I'm a God who can be known by you. I want to be in your life. I want you to know who I am. And I, I, I'm going to do things in your life. And every week when we take the Lord's Supper, we are reminded of that sacrifice. We, we eat the bread and we drink the juice. And we remember that his body was broken for us. He bled and he died so that we could be rescued. And we could have access to God. That there would be no more separation. There would be more, no more wandering around in darkness. When you read a lot of these scriptures, the, the prophecies talking about the coming Messiah, you, you hear a theme again and again, which is the people living in darkness. That there's this darkness and, and confusion and chaos. And they're just waiting on a king. They're waiting on the light. They're waiting on someone who's going to come, who's going to rescue the people. That's what Jesus did, so that we could have a real relationship with God. John chapter 1, it's talking, about, it's talking about Jesus. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness 
has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now that's a stumbling block for some of us. Because maybe you were raised in an environment where all you knew of God was kind of the truth part, where God has high expectations, He made us on purpose, and I know that I fall short, and I feel really guilty about that. Maybe you, you felt really beat up. And there's always a thread of truth that runs through those. You know, whenever we feel guilt or shame, there's always that thread of truth that makes it cut. But if you were raised where it was just high truth, everything is truth, uh, that, that has kind of worn you out. And you feel like you're distant from God because you, you could never live up to the standard that he set, so why bother trying? Or perhaps you're just the opposite of that. It's all grace, where you understand that God loves me, God forgives me, forgive, 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 love, love, love. And so I don't really need to change my life. I don't need to do anything because God's going to love me anyway, regardless. So what's it matter? He wants me to be happy, doesn't he? So I'm going to go live however I want to live. I'm not going to worry about anything else. I'm just going to go and do these things. High grace. And there's the thread of truth that runs through that as well because all those things are true. He does love you. He does forgive you. He does want your life to be full of purpose. But when that scripture says, and, and what we can't miss, and there in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And Jesus, he came full of grace and truth. He was the best of both. And that's what a lot of us, we, we have to move to that deeper place. And I understand that that's difficult because we see our Heavenly Father oftentimes through the lens of our experience. We say, this is all I've ever known is shame and guilt or total liberty and freedom. And I, I don't know how to balance those. The good news for you is the curtain's been torn. God says, I want you to come and see. I want you to come be with me. I want you to walk with me. And as you walk with God, he begins to change how you live. We have to understand that he does forgive every one of our sins. But he also, we also have to understand that his standard is high. And he's called us to leave our life of sin behind. He says, when you come to me, I want you to repent. That means to turn away from that life of sin. You're not going to live the old life anymore because he has something better for you if you haven't experienced it yet I, I just can't tell you how much you're missing out on because there is joy and peace and purpose that God wants to just infuse in your life so right now I just want us to pause and to celebrate the sacrifice that Jesus made for us we celebrate his birth but we can't fully appreciate like, like that 
quote that I read, we can't fully appreciate the God that we have until we understand the mess that we've been in. Jesus stepped right into the middle of it. So let's pray together, and then we're going we're gonna to take communion. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf that we might be called your children. Just as your word says, you did this so that we might be called children of God, not born of natural descent, but that we have been invited in, we have been ushered into your family. Lord, we are just, we're humbled and honored that you would, that you would be mindful of us, that you see us. In all the things in, in your world that you are doing and that you are working out, that you at a point in history that you looked down and you created us individually and you love us individually. And then you've given us this family of believers to come together and to just, to just share, to share this joy that we have. And then you've promised us a home. And I know even as I look around this room this morning, some of our brothers and sisters that we have loved dearly that we've said goodbye to this past year. And I know we can't wait to say hello when we embrace for eternity and see them. But Lord, in, in, the, in the moments in between, help us right now to be thankful for the sacrifice of Christ that we might understand that because of his death, we have life. Lord, I pray you would just impress that statement into our hearts. Help us to continue to seek until we understand it. That because of his death, we have life. I ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus.